Welcome to the Asian Dating Podcast. Today, my guest this week is the multi-award-winning matchmaker, Jillian McCallum, who heads up UK's premier matchmaking agency, Drawing Down the Moon. Renowned as the thinking person's matchmaker, London-based Drawing Down the Moon is UK's original matchmaking company, having been founded almost four decades ago. Jillian is here today so we can find out more about the London dating scene, why she thinks London is the best city to look for love, and how dating compares between London and LA. So welcome to the show. How are you? Hello, May. Thank you so much for having me on. On top of all of these wonderful things that you said about me, you're also a really good friend. And I want to make sure we get that in there right at the beginning for posterity, uh, that along with all of these things that you and I do, along with you being, I know, the top matchmaker in LA, and I'm sure we're going to be talking all about that, that we're actually also really good friends. And we met through the wonderful world of matchmaking. Yes, we did. We met, what, probably seven years ago or so? But it feels like just a couple years ago. I just feel like time has gone by so fast. And now here we are, we're still doing this. And I just realized I meet a lot of new matchmakers, dating coaches in our journey to help our clients. And a lot of them come and go. So what would you think attributes to your success at drawing down the moon and four decades of setting people up? That's amazing. Like what makes what makes your company thrive and sustain for the long haul? You know, you're absolutely right, me. And companies do start and companies do close. And that's really sad. I want there to be as many matchmakers out there, quality matchmakers, who are changing people's lives for the better forever. But you are right. Companies do start and companies do sadly close. And I think there's a huge amount that goes into being, well, the UK's premier matchmaker. I think having around for a very long time makes a huge difference to what we do because of course we have tried and tested a multitude of methods to make sure that we're getting London daters into relationships and we know London better than anyone else knows London. Uh, you mentioned there that we're the UK's oldest matchmaker obviously we've been in London for 40 years coming up for 40 years our anniversary is uh, next year and the skill and the benefit of being the UK's oldest matchmaker, is that we are able to change and alter and maneuver and switch so that we're able to, to really move with the times when it comes to dating. And matchmaking's been around for a very long time. We've obviously been around for a very long time, but dating changes. Dating has evolved. So much has happened in the last four decades. And the fact that we always put our clients first, that our aim is always to get our clients into our relationship, then of course, we're able to switch things up. We're able to take things away, add things in, move things around with the sole aim of getting our London clients into a relationship. So how is dating in London unique or different than dating in other parts of the world? What do you, what have you learned that dating is like in London? What have you learned personally and as a uh, professional matchmaker? 
London is an incredible city to date. And this is one of the interesting conversations that I'm hoping to have with you, where we talk a little bit about the differences between London and LA. Of course, we've gone through the pandemic. That made a big change for daters across London. But we understand the London data. We've got a, a hot pot, a cosmopolitan environment. We are not a homogenous bunch. We are a unique group of people coming from all over the world. In fact, we've got a big of course, American demographic in London. And my feeling is that London and LA might be similar in that fact, that you've got people coming from all over the world, choosing London, in this case, as their city to be. And of course, these people are adventurous. They're usually people who want to travel. Don't forget, London is a very central location for people to want to date throughout Europe. So we sometimes have clients who perhaps have a home in Provence or a home in Tuscany, and they're coming to London because that's where they've got business or a second home. And so they're coming to date in London and hopefully find someone as adventurous as they are to embark on a long-term relationship. And the thing about London with all of these people from all of these different environments, we've got, of course, different religions, different faiths, different backgrounds, different requirements from a partner. But the London dater is usually someone who's pretty successful, who's achieved a huge amount in life. But the one thing that they're looking for, the one thing that they don't have at this particular point in time is someone to love. And so our job is to take these high flying, capable, kind people and get them into a relationship. Because again, at Drawing Down the Moon, we don't take on any client if we don't think that they're ready to find love. So do you have a lot of women that are open to dating an American man, but he's maybe wants to relocate to London? Like, are they open to that where they're maybe in their 30s and want to date a guy in his early 50s? Are there any women in your database that are looking for that kind of love? So we do have people in our database, people who are, we are part of our wider network who are looking for a transatlantic relationship. That's not unusual. And the idea of dating between London and LA, it's something that I've done in the past. And I know it's something that our clients have, have done and still do. With regards to a big age range, that's a little bit unusual for us. Normally we're looking at introducing people within a 10 year age range, really so that we're getting the best possible chance of long-term success. For us, it's not just about introducing someone to someone else in London who they otherwise wouldn't have met. The key thing for us is to make sure that we're introducing two people together who've got a really good chance of making things happen. I was just selfishly plugging for my client who's maybe 54 oh. wants to date a woman who's 38 and under and wants to have children and you know, he's a good provider, successful, so handsome, very cute, tall. Anyway, yes, he's originally from London. So he's thinking of going back to London. So if there's any women out there interested in him, I'd be happy to send his profile along. But anyway, what... um. One of the interesting things, May, about what you've just said is, as I'm always saying, love is not a list. And so therefore, me saying 10 years is really the criteria that we work with. That's true. But if we've got a client who we feel is someone that has really good reasons for wanting to date someone a little bit younger, and by the sounds of things, if he's wanting to establish and start a family, and there's real reasons why he might want to date someone slightly younger than himself, then of course, we'll happily speak to some yeah. of the clients in our database. We're not gonna restrict our clients 
just by the rules that we have, if someone incredible comes along, we'll always give them the option. And while we do expect our clients to go on all of the introductions that we provide for them, when it comes to someone slightly outside the box, when it comes to the conversations that you and I have about your really eligible clients with my really eligible clients, trying to get that, that relationship going between London and LA, of course, I'm extremely happy to have a conversation with our clients and see if there might be a fit. Because of course, when you think about it, London clients are used to traveling for dates. They're used to being on the global scale. This is not this is not a parochial area when we're talking about London. We're talking about people who have careers that are global. And so yeah. the idea of dating or meeting someone in a different location, our clients are very up for. And it's something they're sometimes looking for. Ultimately, though, people do want to date in London who will have... Uh, people who at least have a base in London. So the idea has to be there that if your client, great that they're in LA, but what are their intentions for London? Will they at some point want to come back to the UK even for part of the year? If so, then it's definitely the kind of person that I'd love to introduce to one of my clients. Let's talk about love is not a list. Tell me a little bit more about that and your philosophy on that quote. So my philosophy when it comes to love is not a list is that when we're looking at what is really, truly important in a partner, it's so important that we disregard the things that are never going to have an impact on that relationship. Height is no predictor of success in a relationship. Income, no predictor of success in a relationship. There are so many things that just don't alter whether someone is going to be a really solid long-term partner for you. Part of why I say it comes from having clients come to me with a list of a hundred things and realizing this person doesn't exist. I talk about the unicorn. And so we do get requests for the unicorn. And what we're trying to do is say to clients, look, by having this list, you're exponentially less likely to actually find love. With every additional factor that you add into that list, it's reducing your chances significantly of finding someone to be with. And of course, when we're talking about London, hugely cosmopolitan, we're talking about uh, high income, uh, we're talking about really the cream of the crop. We'll talk about LA in a minute. I'm sure you're gonna tell me how great your clients are across there. And I already know that they are from some of the exchanges that we've done. But we're talking about people who do have uh, lists of what they're looking for. And what they have to remember is that the other person has their own list. The other person has their own desires and needs and wants. And if you end up with these huge long lists, what's going to happen? No one's ever going to end up in a relationship. And so I try to remind my clients and I try to remind the people that we're working with that it's not about all of these peripheral things. What we're looking for are values. We're looking for depth. We're looking for life goals, life ambitions, five-year plan, 10-year plan, the things that will really make a difference as to whether or not a relationship will succeed. So how about love is a small list? What are some things that they can search for that are truly important to them that you don't count it as their list? You know, like, grant, granted, height is not an indicator of if a marriage would work. Um, the income level is not. I get that. But what are some things, in your opinion, some key life values that should make this list and should be something that you would consider when matching two people? 
Well, the thing when I'm planning on making an introduction, I want to make sure that there's potentially longevity there. So I'm looking at where does this person want to be in five years? If one person is planning on retiring early and they're going to be traveling around the world and the other person loves working, could never imagine not traveling into the office and commuting every day, then we're really going to be in some significant amounts of trouble. And so the idea behind it is we're looking for people with these long term goals and ambitions. Not whether or not someone skis, whether they read a certain newspaper every day, whether they like cricket or golf or even bridge. We're not interested in the things that someone could potentially learn or just really love the fact that you do. And when people have these long lists, they think that those lists are going to find them love, but they're really just a big deterrent. And I imagine that in L.A. you're dealing with some similar things like that. Do you get the long lists coming through the door? I do. I also find that as people age, their list disappears more. Um, for example, someone who's in their 20s and 30s might be so strict because they aren't really focused on looking for those other important factors. They're looking at a lot of the superficial factors because dating in your 20s is completely different than dating in your 40s or 30s. So, I mean, LA is a tougher place to date, if you will. I'm sure everybody says that about their city. Um, I find that in LA, a lot of people are very superficial because there are so many beautiful people in LA. So when I work with a Midwest client, it's actually easier. They are focusing more on the non-superficial stuff. So I guess it's different in every city, but everybody complains that their city is tough to date. And when they say their city is tough to date, then I say, well, then you got to be doing something different and be exceptional and find different things for you to be a part of different groups, different hobbies, just think outside the box to increase your chances of meeting different people. So that's kind of what I suggest that they do is like every city is tough to date. Every single says their city is tough. I mean... Do you have people saying London is tough to date? I think London is one of the easiest cities in the world to find love and to date, but only if you use a matchmaker, because <laughs> we're here to point out all the things that you're doing wrong that are getting in the way of you finding love and romance. And when I hear that, you know, I had a client recently who, who didn't sign up, but came and had a meeting with me. And when we had a conversation, she went through a whole list of hobbies and criteria that they had to have. And again, a whole list of hobbies that they couldn't have. Now, the problem is I didn't take her on at the time only because I wanted to take some time and space to decide if that's really what's important in life. She really was sticking to her guns. Now, that's great and that's fine. But when you have a really long list, you're very unlikely to meet that partner. And so if you're in London and you're saying London's a really hard city to date, I want you to ask, what are you doing to find love? And how long is the list that you've got in order to find it? Because often people say to me, well, what's your success rate? Well, my success rate, as far as I'm concerned, is 100%. But only if you do two things. The first thing is you've got to give people a chance. Give people an opportunity to shine. And the second thing is, don't discount someone for a very basic reason or because you've got this list or this belief that you've got to have certain things in place to get this person right. Give people a chance, give people an opportunity. And when you do that, 
you're going to be guaranteed to find love in London. But the tougher that you make it, the tougher you're going to find it. And people often say, well, does this mean I have to compromise? I don't want to compromise. Well, if you don't want to compromise in some areas, if you're really sticking to your guns as to the thing that you must have, and there's 20 things on that list, you're going to be a very old person with that brilliant list of things that you're going to stick to, as they say in America, the hill that they're going to die on. And this is the problem. If you're going to stick to that, you're going to find it really hard to find love. But in London, if you are open to the type of person that you might date and you then give that person a chance, of course you're going to find love. And sometimes it takes a matchmaker or a date coach to spend some time with you and point out these things. People often come to us with these criteria, the things they're looking for, because they think it helps us. They think by having these criteria, it helps you narrow it down, but it doesn't. It can sometimes narrow it to the point that they just don't meet anyone. And so I think London is an incredible place to date. I think there's huge opportunities to find a partner. If you think about London, it is designed for the dating world. Every single night after work, there are incredible bars, restaurants, rooftop bars. There are activities, there is events. I always talk about the Royal Geographical Society Monday night lectures. That might sound like a very tiny recommendation to give it anyone. But the reason I give the recommendation, I've already got one relationship, one marriage under my belt from sending someone there on a Monday. It's a random suggestion. But if you really want to find love, don't say, well, I have no interest in geography. I have no interest in geology. and I certainly don't want to go to a lecture. You've got to step outside your comfort zone. And in London, there's huge opportunity to do that. If you can think of anything in the world, you're going to find it in London. And so with the Royal Geographical Society, I've already bigged them up once already. I promise you I'm not sponsored by them, but they do this phenomenal lecture. There's drinks beforehand, drinks after. It's the perfect opportunity to mingle. And if you don't have a matchmaker, if you haven't hired a matchmaker in London, you need to cast the net as wide as you can. This is your next full-time job. And London has all the opportunities you would possibly need to have to find that partner but you have to go out there you have to search and you have to make it a full-time job when you say that they don't want to compromise on their list but isn't that what marriage is kind of or a relationship with a partner is compromise you have to compromise in a relationship in life even with platonic friendships so for someone to say, I don't want to compromise anything on my list, like that's actually a red flag. Like how flexible are you? I know the men that I work with, the clients who come to me, they want women who are flexible. They want women who compromise. They want women who like to do those things and are willing to do some things that they don't want to do. So yes, having a list, I call it a list. Um, you do have to compromise. You do have to be flexible. So, but not to say LA is a horrible place to date, because if you say that whatever city you're in is a horrible place to date, guess what? That is actually something that you're going to believe in. And you're not going to let the best relationship happen if it landed in your lap, because you have that bad attitude or bad mindset about dating. So yeah, you have to say, you know what, LA is a great place to date. There's so many opportunities to meet new people all the time, whether it's at a grocery store, coffee shop, the park, you know, valet parking, anybody, right? And 
what I have noticed the difference between LA and, uh, you know, Colorado is people actually say hi to you when you walk passing each other on a trail or, you know, at a parking lot or whatever that may be. And LA, I've noticed people are just in their bubbles. So if there's a LA or big city listener to this podcast right now is get out of that bubble mentality and just say hi to everyone you see. You just never know. And just putting your phone down. I mean, that's like one basic life rule. If you're a single person is put the phone down and stop staring at your screen when you're waiting in line somewhere or when you're doing your grocery shopping or whatever that may be. Like if you put your grocery list on your phone, how about write it down on a piece of paper and stare at the piece of paper versus your phone when you're at the grocery store? And at least that's a talking point, May. If you're standing in the in the supermarket and you've got your little list written down and, you know, the kind of lovely cliche that we all hope will happen, which is that we can't find an ingredient, but the superbly attractive, charming, handsome, you know, beautiful single person uh, shows us the way to, you know, find the cardamom pods, then, you know, that, that sounds pretty good. But I think you've got to do, you're right, you've got to put the phone down, but you've also got to make opportunities for yourself. You know, when it comes to London, there are huge opportunities to date and find the right person. There's no excuse that you can't get home. We have incredible public transport. You've got the late night tube that everyone loves to use. So we, it's easy for us to get from place to place. It's also very easy because London's a small city in comparison to LA. It's not spread out. Then in London, you're able to meet halfway and it's not going to take you a huge amount of time to get home. And of course, that's what we also talk about. And when you do and you go on your dates, make sure you do pick somewhere that's halfway between. It's a little bit selfish to make someone come to you, but always make sure that you know how you're going to get home. And in London, that's a very, very easy thing to do. But you have to, as you say, go non-digital, find a way to connect with other people. You, you nailed it when you said, get out of your bubble. You need to free yourself of this bubble and don't worry about protecting yourself. People are always nervous. They're worried. They're frightened. What's going to happen if I put myself out there? I talk a little bit sometimes about people quite often not wanting to date because they don't want to get hurt. But also the flip side of that is they don't want to hurt someone else. But you have to do a little bit of this if you want to date. And it comes with the territory and people expect it. And it's not a good enough reason not to date. People also ask me, you know, what is it about London? How hard is it? Or where do we go? Where do I find signals? And the idea in London is get yourself out there, go to the events, ask your friends, go to dinner parties, but keep your eyes wide open. Because when people come to Drawing Down the Moon and make that commitment to meet a partner, you know what happens? What happens more often than not, even if you've been single five years, 10 years, three years, if you've gone through a bad divorce, if you sadly have had a bereavement, what ends up happening? Not all the time, of course, otherwise we'd be out of business. But what often happens is after you've made that commitment to sign up, you find someone, you meet someone. Why? Because the headlights are on. You talked about positive language and feeling positive and saying that LA is a great place to date. It's exactly the same with London. When you approach it with positivity, good things are going to happen. And you're going to suddenly discover that person that you never knew was out there that had been looking for you the whole time. It really interested me, though, when you talked a little bit about the looks in LA. Can you talk a bit more about that? Is it is it 100% based on looks? Is there anything deeper than that? I, I get the impression your clients have 
a lot more depth than perhaps the general populace? Or am I being unfair about LA? Is that just what I read in the Daily Mail? Well, I mean, LA is a big entertainment capital, right? You got a lot of actresses, models. You have a server who looks like a model. You know, when you go to a restaurant, all the servers are good looking because they're all waiting for auditions and they're all trying to find a job in the entertainment field. So you just get skewed with a lot of good looking people in LA. So then you hire a matchmaker and you want them to have all these great things as well, align with the religion, align with do they want kids, align with their lifestyles, align with their income, all this stuff. But on top of that, of course, we need to be attractive to our partners, right? So a lot of the time, the guys who come to me, they want all that, plus they want them to look like a model, even though they don't want to date models sometimes. They're like, I want them to look like a model, but I need them to be educated, have a graduate degree or, you know, so I guess we're just around such good looking people all the time that sometimes LA can be superficial. So it's not a bad thing. I mean, it's, I love that women can be a five or a six, but then they could dress up to look like a eight or a nine, right? Like, we don't want someone that looks like a nine all the time. We want someone who has the potential to look like a nine when they get dressed up, but yet still be down to earth and can put her hair in a ponytail and just go grab breakfast on a Saturday morning or go for a hike without makeup. So, I mean, there's a lot of those things and we just want someone, bottom line is the guys want someone who's kind, generous with their time someone who makes them feel good, right? I know that that's important. Like your whole goal of going on a first date is to get to a second date, right? Assuming that person across from you is someone you want to get to know better. So your whole goal is to have that person ask you out again. So be on your best behavior and get a second date. Right. And you use some language there that we don't really use much in the UK. And this is the concept of numbers. Is it just for women or, or do men also get a number too? Is it just, is it just a female thing that we're numbered? I'm interested in, you know, the gender wars going on here. Um, I think we just use that as a guide. Like I ask guys on the phone if they call me and I say, okay, so are you an attractive person? Like what, how would women rate you? I just want an idea. So if you say you're a five or six, then I'm going to introduce you to women that is a five or six. If you say, you know what, I'm kind of an eight. Okay, so you're a handsome guy. You know, but if a guy says he's a nine or 10 and he expects women who are nine or 10, I don't even like taking on those male clients who have that kind of expectation because they're so focused on looks. Am I so focused on looks? Not all the time, but if they bring up that they need to be attractive, they need to be a size zero or size two, then I would be like, okay, let me let me judge you and see what kind of uh, client you are and who you're looking for. So I'm not the kind of agency that just goes on looks. So if they only want to go by looks, then I could refer them to somebody who just goes by looks. So I guess I just speak of the numbers um, just to get a gauge for who they are and what they are. Um, but slender women, all my guys who sign up are looking for slender, average, 
shaped women because they're not looking for someone overweight. Otherwise they could find them on their own. So a lot of the times I, uh, screen for that. Like the guys are asking me to screen for the women and to check out their full body shots. I mean, that's the reality of it, right? I mean, men are going to pay me 10, 15, $20,000 to find somebody that they can find on their own. Like, why do they need to hire a matchmaker then? So so much you've said in there, and I don't even know where to begin with it. So the very first thing I'm going to say though is, does everyone know what their number is? Does everyone know I'm a? Well, um, they can kind of get a gauge for how attractive they are, wouldn't you say? Like they know that men hit on them all the time or that they're average looking and that they need uh, to maybe spruce up their look a little bit if they want to get a guy who's a eight or a nine. Like you need to put in the work is what I'm saying. Like if you expect a certain thing from a guy, then hopefully you are that yourself. Like if you're looking for a man who looks amazing, tall, fit, in shape, okay, then you better be in shape, fit, and desirable to that type of guy. Like that's why I think online dating is great for people because you're putting your profile out there. You're putting your photos out there. The men who are hitting on you online or who are interested in you online those are the guys who are attracted to you, right? Based on what you put out there. So that's the type of guy that you're attracting. That's the type of guy that you should be dating. So if you're saying, gosh, online dating sucks, all these guys are hitting on me and I'm not even attracted to them. Okay, then you need to look at your own profile and see why are they attracted to you? Why is this type of guy attracted to you? If it's the type of guy that, are looking for you and you're not looking for them, then you got to do something with your profile or your photos or what you look like and how you present to them. So does that make sense? This, this is totally fascinating to me. And when I'm listening to you talking, I am seeing some significant differences between dating in London and dating in LA. And by the sounds of things, when it comes to LA dating, as you said, You've got high flyers. They're often in media. They're often in TV. They're earning large sums of money. They are expecting thin, especially when we're talking about men, what men are looking for, what straight men are looking for. They're looking for thin because thin is seen by the sense of things. I'm reading between the lines here, a status symbol. So what you're saying is that slightly heavier ladies are considered to be something they can get easily, which is blowing my mind here in terms of the way the fat phobia that's going on here is, you know, but what you're saying is that men feel as though when they've reached a certain status, a certain elevation, they're looking for very, very slender women. And that fits with the profile of who they are and who they think they are and where they are in life. Does that, does that sound fair? Yeah. When I say, Uh, I don't mean it, 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 is it fair? I mean, does that sound like a fair representation Yeah, how it is in LA. When I say slender, I mean slender, thin, average body, right? Not someone overweight. I mean, 66% of Americans are overweight or obese. So that's the problem. Like, there, if a guy who is in shape and goes to the gym all the time, I expect he would want someone who's in shape as well as he is since he goes to the gym and things like that. So 
I'm just saying that when women join my database and they are obese, they are 20 pounds overweight, 30 pounds overweight, I can't set them up because the men who hire me are looking for women that are in shape. I'm not saying they're undesirable to all men. I'm just saying they are undesirable to my men because my men come to me saying, even though I'm 10 pounds, 20 pounds overweight as the guy, he might want someone who's in shape because men can carry their weight a lot better, right? They might have a dad's bod, but they still want a woman who looks great and who he can be proud of. But I'm just saying that when I get women who are significantly overweight, who join my database, I would love to help them. I just can't help them by setting them up with my clients because my clients aren't paying me to date an overweight, obese woman. You know, as harsh as that sounds, that's my business, you know, but I'm saying they can find men out there who might appreciate their body shapes and things like that. Um, that's the thing. I deal mainly with men who want to date Asian women, right? So they want the Asian women to look slender, to look that certain look that they desire. And you know, you, you've nailed it exactly. It's all about beauty being in the eye of the beholder. And when I think about some of the clients that have come to us, we, we do get clients, if we're just talking about weight, who maybe want someone who's heavier set, who maybe wants someone slimmer. But one of the things that we have heard about the difference between the market in London and the market in the US is this focus on a certain look. And yeah. when we also talk about dating between London and New York, and we talk about New York, uh, you and I both know a matchmaker. I won't name her to save her blushes. She's an incredible matchmaker in New York. And she says, and she's a very slim lady. And she says, people say to me, I want you, but thin. And she is, I think she's probably a size four, a size two. I'm not entirely sure. She's very, very mini. And we're talking US sizes here. But they say they want more, more, more slender than that. And I think there seems to be, certainly from my perception, this sense in LA, a sense in New York, a sense in the States, that the, the body shape is vitally important. And that the body shape in some ways dictates whether or not someone is, you know, dating material which again is why we have so many people trying to stay thin in order to find a partner and of course i always say the worst thing you can do is go on a date to find a go go on a diet thank you so much jillian for joining me today in the asian dating podcast if the people out there listening want to get in touch with you i could put all your info in the show notes bye thank you